0: This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. For 20% off and free shipping, go to manscaped.com and use offer code probably.
1: probably science. Hello and welcome to Probably
0: Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kershen. I'm Jesse Case. Hey everyone. We're all Hello. back in back in the same country for the first uh, yes. time in a month.
1: I forgot if we, where in your in your travel travails we were with the last recording.
0: Last recording, I was stranded in London with COVID, waiting for a negative test, which took significantly longer than I was expecting it to. And, and just, Holly
1: never popped one?
0: No, Holly managed to get an entirely different uh, respiratory infection. Oh, that's,
1: that's right, you did tell us
0: that. So, she had basically all the symptoms that would make us think, oh, she's definitely got COVID, but turns out, yeah. like... Still perfectly able to get COVID at any point in the next few weeks because yeah. she didn't have it. We, I had, we did all the tests. And I had food it, poisoning this week.
2: Ooh, and I thought it was COVID. I, I was like, "Do I have COVID again?" You know, because uh, it's so many symptoms. Like anything you have, it'll say, "Yeah, that's," right. you know, "that's one of the symptoms." Um, yeah, what I, was, did you eat? Um, I I rolled the dice. out a yogurt parfait from the grocery store, like a pre-made that's not rolling the dice is it I I don't think that's too risky it's not like landlocked sushi but it's it's (laughs) not great you know it's I mean it's not sushi in Kansas but it's uh,
1: yeah I think I would
0: put that pretty high on the list of safe things so that's that's worrying interesting
1: yeah, yeah. You, you mean know like what? pre made, like made in this, not, not, not like packaged. Uh, no, no, sealed, not packaged. It's like made in the it's store. Like in
2: the store. The yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Like they still, make the yogurt from scratch as well. They're just like, they're churning milk back yeah, and for like, hum, letting human
2: it. breast milk. They've got a lady back there. <laughs> and
0: just, they make, um, yeah, they, it's like a, it's local just a pump Nashville. and some time. Yeah. It's uh, a local We've got a guest we should introduce. Yes, we do. Someone, uh, we were establishing, when we were just chatting before recording, probably one of the first people I met in comedy, one of my, my favourite comics, Chippenham's finest, also one of Chippenham's fa- uh, finest barbers and hairstylists, uh, raconteur, comedian, uh, all-around excellent human being. It's Will Hodgson. Hey, Will. Hello, Matt. How are you, mate? I'm great, mate. I'm great. Uh, I'm very happy to have you on. How's, how's Chippenham dealing with everything? Chipnam's
3: doing alright, it's still standing and and all of that, um, I'm back cutting hair obviously, I've managed to dodge Covid so far two years in and I've still somehow not got it despite like work in close contact with people and yep. going to the pub every Saturday and that I would have thought I would have got it several times by now, but like no, I seem, I seem to have I seem to have dodged it. and um, the I said maybe there's something in Camden Hells the or barbicide that makes <laughs> you immune.
1: Ah, that's the yeah, if Trump had heard about that he would have been all over it. Drink the blue water.
3: <laughs> but that chip chip's alright. It's um, pretty much like the same as it as it was just with um some people masked and um that's it's just Chippenham is as Chippenham does really. It's it'd be the same if this if all this goes like if the worst happens with this Ukraine thing it would be interesting. I sort will there will be people stood outside smoking craters where pubs were wanting to know why they're not open.
2: isn't <laughs> Isn't Chippenham where they found? Didn't they find some unexploded bombs? They had to like move a bunch of people. Yeah, they did. That was up where the, my the, mum
3: lives. The the World War Two unexploded bomb.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they're did, just they're <laughs> just like some kids are playing in a school and they're like, are these uh, There's these big uh, things with swastikas on them. Yeah, and then that's they're right.
3: like, oh shit.
0: That's
3: <laughs> right. Like... It was they detonated it, and there was like a big like cur thud, and you could he could feel it up Man. Um, up at my up at my flat like a sort of. Very small earthquake, yeah, that was like the, that was one of the great, like Chippenham's had like a few moments in the limelight, there's been that, there was um, Eddie Cochran. Uh, Eddie Cochran died there, yeah. T- well, he died technically, right, pedantry hat on, he died in Bath of injury sustained in Chippenham. But it's still, <laughs> it's still. Didn't. My my granddad used to have mortuary photos of Eddie Cochran that my mum made. He was, he was a detective, and my mum oh, made wow. him ch- my mum made him chuck 'em out. But he used to have photos of Eddie Cochran <laughs> on the autopsy slab, and and so yeah, that's like a that's like another Chipman thing. And then there was um, there was something with a fake flying saucer. Back in the sixties, <laughs> once as well, with some, <laughs> some students put a flying sort like it, it was basically they left like a thing that looked like a UFO uh, in a in a farm, and people thought it was like because it, it was the sixties, the Cold War. They thought it was some kind of like Russian <laughs> Sputnik or another. In the end, it had been wired so that it like it, it sort of exploded, but it sprayed horse shit everywhere. <laughs> Over over the cops and everything, so that's like yeah, that's Chip and it's like kind of three, three days in the limelight was. It's, like a, things.
2: it's like a Christopher Guest movie. <laughs> um,
0: I love I love it, man. Um, so. Well, before we get into the stories, we, we like to ask our guests what, if anything, is your background in science. And that's ranged from classes at school that you liked or disliked to blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends to wiring flying saucers with horseshit uh, detonators. Well, my science
3: at school, I used to sit next to Michael Milano, and he used to spend the entire thing. Um, trying to devise ways of like um he was a bit obsessed with weaponry and explosives he'd have been like they'd have made a bigger deal of it now but he'd be like constantly asking the teacher how to make like c4 or whatever they'd like they just in the end they just give him like they just tell him but they'd like leave an ingredient out just to humor him or whatever but he was constantly sat there doing that and then we were um alternate it was alternating between like listening to him doing that and then we were trying to figure out the name of our non existent thrash metal band that we were gonna have <laughs> and in the and so i paid zero attention throughout the entire <laughs> throughout the entire thing and i remember the last on the last day we said to our science teacher mr mr kerr and as uh, so we said like like we're sorry that we've like pissed about for like three years in your class and everything, not like no disrespect or anything, but it was just we just like c- couldn't like get around. He said, like, to all, I, I hope that one day you don't wish that you'd paid attention, you don't only really wish you'd, you'd you wish you knew about science, but that's not your lookout now. And then there was all them like uh, all them science stand up gigs and stuff, and I was so like, that was quite a big thing. And I was like, I, I can't really, do, I just don't, I, I, and he was right the day he came when I wish that I had listened and not, and not sat there trying to think of what names for death but I remember Michael wanted to call the band Anthrax I told him there was already a band called Anthrax He's like, we can just call it that anyway and I was like you really can't just call it <laughs> an- <laughs> Anthrax there's a metal band and a punk band before that like, you can't have a third Anthrax I just, it's, a good, it's a good name well, it's a good name That's that was um, that was that we had Mr Crosby was our other science teacher he used to just go and he used to go and smoke in the in the room with all the lot like, the chemicals and stuff in like, the cupboard. He'd <laughs> he keep, go, he keep going in there for a fag. And he'd come out and he'd like, set he'd set the experiment up, and then he'd get sometimes he'd get like to a point he'd just go. Do you know what he'd go? Like, I've got no idea what the hell I'm doing, <laughs> and he'd just put it away and go out for another fag. Loved it. He was one of the best teachers <laughs> teachers ever. He just like yeah, he was. Uh, they want to do a remake of Breaking Bad with him. I reckon. <laughs> So, with his, but it's just
1: it's his skill just is rolling cigarettes instead of bad.
2: making meth. In, in school, I always wound up sitting next to the kid that was just drawing weaponry and stuff too. Like in the back, there's always a kid that was just making up new types of swords and stuff. And well, used
3: I to carry, used to carry these. To Mike used to live in Castle Coombe, and there was another mate of mine who was who's now a copper, I think. They used to just walk around Castle Coombe with like. Axes and stuff, having like points <laughs> with axes, because there's nothing to do in Castle, nothing to do in Castle Keep at all. It's where they, it's where they filmed that film Doctor Doolittle with Rex Harrison back in the. So I tell you it talking of blowing shit up, my granddad, I say was a detective. He arrested um, Sir Ranald Fiennes for trying to blow up the set of Doctor Doolittle in the sixties, <laughs> which is a bit of a a bit of a weird one but the, the <laughs> residents weren't liking this because they'd like they dicked about with castle coon to do the film and one of them knew ranul fines i think and he was like in the sas or something so they said that you couldn't come down here and not like, blow this set up could you so he went down there and he and he was he, and he was nicked and my granddad said he was not like, one of the nicest blokes he'd ever arrested and he went to, they took it <laughs> they took it to, to chitlin police station and he was banged up in the cells. And that time he come down, he was down here. Randolph finds years ago selling and signing books at Waterstones. I was going to bring me granddad down and engineer like another meeting. And got like 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 remember this, remember this guy and that. But yeah, never never happened in the end. But um, so yeah, well, C four was missing an ingredient. So he's... Yeah, because
0: he must have had the same science teacher. <laughs> yeah, Randolph <Yeah>. just wasn't <laughs> paying attention. He was too busy. Re reinventing <laughs> Megadeth. <laughs> right. Well so we still name him that. It's fine. Yeah, it
1: so what was the what was the animosity towards Doctor Do Was it about the person or the animals or the combination of people and animals or uh
0: just just the fact I that they were fucking just... with a town, just being there.
3: Yeah, it's Nimbies, isn't it? There's plenty of that round here. Nimbies, whether it's a skate park or Doctor Doolittle film or whatever, they just people just don't want anything uh anything to... Change I, I, I right I think it was. I think they dammed a river or something like that. That's the bit he was actually blowing up. Okay. Was where they dammed the the river. And like, this is why you can't have nice things in Castle king It's got no street light. And the whole thing looks like it's like living on the cover of the first Black Sabbath album. And that's probably what was <laughs> up with um with the boredom thing and the weaponry and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, you know, he's got I'll go up there and hang out with him. It's quite a quite a thing i remember um trying to record a, a like a demo thing we only had a keyboard and a bass guitar trying to record like a bedroom demo of our like metal thing and it was like i was trying to play the bass and michael was chasing a large house spider around with a meat cleaver at the same <laughs> time it'd be like an outsider music classic now if we released it <laughs>
1: By the way, I wasn't sure what the first Black Sabbath album cover looked like. I just Googled it, and it's very evocative of what you're saying. Yeah, so if listeners haven't seen the first Black Sabbath album cover.
0: What was it called? Or was it just called Black Sabbath? It's just Black, called just Black, Black Sabbath. Sabbath.
1: It's just a, a dude in a cloak standing in front of a very British-looking house in a very uh, gothy, um, torn, uh, I don't know how you, uh, A garden that is unkempt, and um, it doesn't it's not a place you'd want to
3: go, basically, yeah. It is Aussie in the photo, isn't it? I could never figure out whether, because I had it on cassette and it was much smaller, but I could never figure out whether it's Aussie or whether it was just like a sort of general like, apparition stood there. Yeah, like a ghoul, but it could just be like Aussie Osborne hanging out of his ass after a night on the. Night I on think the that is Aussie, that.
0: yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Man.
1: And by the way, how
3: do you spell this town that you're not chipping him, but the other one? Castle Coombe. Uh, Combe, Castle Castlecombe, so C O M B E. Okay, okay. It's uh, they have like a, it's like a race track there, they have they have a good car boot sale there in the in the summer months.
1: <laughs> Castlecombe, quintessentially English village, often, often named the prettiest village in England according to some website I just found. Yeah, I'd say that's
3: about right. It's just you go out of your mind with boredom living in the <laughs> living in the place, and I remember another guy I knew from. Knew from there, and I remember him running up like a ridiculous phone bill, phoning up pornographic phone lines. And he actually went in the they tar- they they like got a phone bill through, so they like tar- they terminated in like in like I don't know Honduras or something like that. And I remember he freaked out and he went into the church in Castle Coo and wrote in like the book thing, saying like sort of please God, I've run up this massive bill, phoning up pornographic phone lines, like please <laughs> from the depths I cry to the oh Lord, like one day someone's going to go through that. And that's also, and he was writing this. I was like, some quite serious stuff being written in this book. There's people with like genuine like like problems, and you're going to put that in there with, <laughs> with, it, with it all. But with it all. But yeah, he's, he's and
0: you know, I'm no, I'm just, dear God, I've wanked myself into debt, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I wank too far.
0: <laughs> well, we are talking about metal bands and stuff. There is a story that uh, was sent in. I sent in a week ago, but we haven't covered it yet by Paul Muxworthy about some spiders that are going to be dropping from the sky in the East Coast. What? The drop, it,
2: dropping spiders would be a great band name.
0: Yep. It's, giant yeah. Joro spiders. Uh, I, just, I just put it in the, in the links there. You can all click on it. An invasive species of spider the size of a child's hand Whoa. is expected to colonize the entire East Coast this spring by parachuting down, the scu- down from the sky, say so researchers in the University of Georgia.
3: This is going to Pends. happen. Over, this is going to happen over your bit, in it, not here. In, in
0: oh yeah, yeah, not even our bit. Like the we're, we're all West Coast. This is East. Oh, right. It's not. Not. It's not going to. This isn't going to affect. Like
3: they're not going to be landing anywhere yeah. near me. Actually, oh, good. I, is
0: that. it going to get close to you then? In in
2: Tennessee, Jesse? Uh um, maybe. I mean, whatever. You know, I I, I feel like uh, it's everything in Tennessee right now is so insane. Anyway, it would just be. I don't even know if people would notice. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um it's yeah, it's fine. W- why why are they what are they why are they colonizing I mean well, do we like out, is it a proper colonization? Like are we gonna get a new mayor and stuff
0: or what? Yeah, you know the language is gonna start to change over time. They'll you know, it starts off with a few shops and local home goods. Um, oh,
2: we have to set up some sort of uh insurgency.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So the, this is this is an article at Axios and the the first little subheading after that initial paragraph is why it matters. <laughs> so let's, okay. let's find out why it matters that large spiders are going to be dropping from the sky. Is this
1: because it's Axios? Does Axios write that way or something? I don't know. Like, yeah,
0: like, it. like it's some like sort of a briefing note just okay. so that you can discuss it with your, with your constituents. Yeah. Um, large duro spiders, millions of them, are expected to begin ballooning up and down the East Coast as early as May. Researchers have determined that the spiders can tolerate cold weather but are harmless to humans as their fangs are too small to break human skin. Oh, uh, great. the Joro spider is native to Japan, but it began infiltrating the US in 2013, concentrating in the southeast and specifically Georgia. Georgia's not too far from you there, Jesse. No, it's right there, sure. They fanned out across the state using their webs as tiny, terrifying parachutes to travel with the wind. There's a little Weird. bit of editorializing there. Terrifying yeah.
3: parachutes, another good battle matter. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Are the That's parachutes indie, I terrifying,
3: think.
1: or are the spiders that are carried by them like the parachutes themselves aren't terrifying? Right? I mean, I don't know. I, guess I don't know. Are they
3: terrified in appearance, or are they terrified in the concept?
0: <laughs> yeah. And are they terrifying to the human observers, or to the spiders themselves, who are very scared of flying? <laughs> yeah, they're ter- oh.
2: they're terrified. It's their first <laughs> jump. They don't know. You know, they don't know what's going on. Um, so the Andy Davis is the author of this study. He's a researcher at Georgia's Odom School of Ecology. Uh, he says it isn't certain how far north these spiders will travel, but they may make it as far north as D.C. or even Delaware. It, it looks like the Jorah would probably survive throughout most of the eastern seaboard here, which is pretty sobering. Says, I love the uh,
0: because okay, this is in Axios, which is based in Washington. Like The story is entirely framed around like, okay, right. it's in Georgia right now, but is there a risk that it could get to the good bits of the east coast? Right, right like the the important bits so
2: well
0: uh, oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say other terrifying things to know about the choro spider again this is very you use that
1: word a lot in this article yeah
0: think like, like these are terrifying facts it's like it's not things to know about them that are terrifying it's just terrifying to know these things that they are yellow black blue and red and grow up to three inches chilling terrifying yeah okay they likely traveled across the globe on shipping containers, similar to the bubonic plague. Mm, mm, Dracula, so like Dracula. a lot, Dracula. Yeah.
2: They need yeah. to
1: bring some of their native
2: soil for. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. A bunch of rats flee off the ship as they arrive.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, also traveled across the globe on shipping containers, similar to peanuts. I like. I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> similar
1: to anything that is shipped. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Similar to iPhone cables. Like I don't. Uh, this next
1: terrifying thing? This next terrifying thing is terrifying. Yeah. yeah, this
0: is a terrifying fact. Their life cycle begins in early spring, but they get big in June and are often seen in July and August. Spooky. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They might... Like i tell you I spent a week once working in a banana factory for an agency, and you get some... I don't, I'm not a fan of spiders by any means. You get some... That's one of the reasons I, I stopped go to work now, but you get some you get some large bastards in crates of bananas. I'm wondering if that might be like a potential way of infiltrating further afield or whatever. Well that then, that it,
0: is like there are always not always, but there are semi frequent stories about someone in the supermarket just in, you know, Norwich or whatever, suddenly discovering some highly venomous spider that is normally only found in tropical rainforests. I
3: remember one yeah, I guy guess... taking one home with him at the at the factory, and he, he was like, "I got flies in my bedroom." he's had this thing that was like the it was like the size of a child's hand, and I, I don't know if he if he it could have been bloody anything. He was bringing home to sort his fly <laughs> problem.
0: Hang on, he, he took it home because he had flies in his bedroom, and he thought that would be a good flycatcher.
3: Yeah, it would just eat all the it just eat all the flies for him.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the worst logic, logic. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also potentially. Without checking with any kind of spider expert, that is potentially an incredibly dumb thing to do.
3: Well, yeah, but then it's um, not be disrespectful to that banana factory, but it wasn't exactly like a... It wasn't a brain's trust, do you know, I myself, myself <laughs> included.
2: <laughs> what, what's this... This last terrifying fact is they're, they're named for the Jorogumo, a creature of Japanese folklore that can shapeshift into a woman or spider before killing its prey.
0: The I mean, two most terrifying things that yeah. something could be.
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a spider <laughs> or the, a woman. The scariest options.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. God, this article is so strange because then it closes with uh, our thought bubble. Again, this is Axios's words. Researchers say there's nothing we can do. They're coming and they're harmless.
2: Wait, didn't you just say terrifying, terrifying, terrifying? <laughs> uh, this is the weirdest article. I, I think it's just something they wanted us to click on for ad money. Okay. I thought Axios was
1: sort of known for being like... Hard hitting. I don't know what access yeah. is. Except like, look at the, first, the right? first
0: story that's linked underneath my one, which is, uh, you might have the same, I don't know, but is uh, the new silent majority. People who don't tweet.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a very good point. Not to go on a rant. That's a very good point, though. Like, we should stop using Twitter as a proxy for the world. It's the dumbest thing to think is representative <laughs> yeah, of anything. It's, it's not but, a population
2: yeah. sample. But, yeah. um, but my main thing is order your favorite chicken tenders on the Bojangles app. <laughs> that's the big ad, so that's why we clicked on it. Is yeah. is you're going to be reading about these spiders? You're going to be scared. You're going to want some chicken tenders, and um, and
0: you're you're gonna. And it says, what don't if my t- favorite chicken tenders are not from Bojangles? Can I still what? order them on the Bojangles app?
2: No, no, I think it's Bojangles exclusive. But it's uh, it says don't forget your favorite fixins. Okay,
1: you no know? G on that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. By the way,
1: this, this spider, for some reason, I don't know if I've just become less scared of spiders after a couple of years in the desert, or something about this, even though it's big, it doesn't creep me out, because it almost seems like a different insect. Like, the coloring almost makes it, like, my brain just connects it to a different, less scary kind of insect. Does that make sense to you guys?
2: I suppose, yeah.
1: Or is it scary to you? I don't know. These pictures are just kind of like, oh, it's an interesting, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting, but it doesn't creep me out the way some spiders do
2: well i mean i you know spiders are i mean i've i've often said this is i think there's a bell curve for the acceptable amount of legs that a creature should have okay you know and it's two to six right, right? and and like anything below two or anything above six is completely unacceptable to me but centipedes I don't wanna... and
1: millipedes don't scare me the way spiders do
2: do they scare you? That's too many. It's too many legs. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. You know, like four, four legs is the ideal amount of legs for like, I will hang, I'll hang out with that creature. Yeah. You know, I'll make friends with it. Um, six is pushing it.
3: Two is like humans. That's pushing it. Um, how many legs those bastards with the spiky, the or things or earwigs or whatever? They, they got loads of legs, haven't they? <coughs> Yeah, probably, I mean, they probably have six, but then the two,
1: if you think of those pincers as like appendages, maybe you could group them into Jesse's theory.
2: Yeah, I just think there's a leg bell curve thing where I just don't mess with it. I, th- I think you get above six, and I don't know if that has to do with like, um, if that's like an uncanny valley thing or like a reverse uncanny valley where it's like I can't relate to it. It's too different than my amount of legs, and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> how, how does this relate to the fact that at some point cartoons that was
1: agreed would, would be given four instead of five fingers? Is that similar? Like Mickey Mouse, you know, has three fingers and a thumb.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the claw would be really hard to figure out. What's a claw? Well, like for, for, you know, Mickey Mouse is a is a mouse. Right. So they go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, they have they have kind of like paws. You know where I do think it's it's four, but then like further up, sort of where uh, where like the inside of our wrist would be, is kind of where their thumb would be. Oh, and that's called a. But duclaw? that's called a dew claw. I never knew that. Yeah, if you look at like a dog or a cat's paw, you know it, it's like our where the thumb would be. It, it would sort of be halfway up our arm on the inside. Is yeah. it like if you imagine our thumb there? That's a dew claw.
1: I've never heard... I just thought that was a dog thumb. Duclaude is, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, in short, I'm not scared of the Juro Spider. I don't know why that is. But uh, it, it is big and colorful.
0: When you were saying, though, Jesse, when you are saying there's a bell curve, do you mean, like, once does it come back down again? So, like, once you've got many, many legs, like a centipede or a millipede, that's okay?
2: No, no. The bell curve is of acceptability, right? So it's at zero, Right the 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 graph is at zero for zero legs that's one, unacceptable you know one leg also unacceptable it uh, starts going up at two Oh, uh, okay you see what I'm saying peaks at four starts going back down for six you know your your flies and ticks or no ticks and arachnid which gotcha ties into the theory fuck ticks yeah. but then but then back down and then it's it's zero again yeah. past the okay I got gotcha. you. okay yeah. that
0: makes sense
2: yeah yeah so I would consider millipedes and centipedes and spiders equitable in my my get-out-of-my-kitchen, you know, theory.
0: There is a story that Justin Broad sent in about maybe, I don't know, this is just uh, a useful, a possible six-legged friend friend thing here. Ants can sniff out cancerous cells better than dogs. I think at least one other listener sent in this story, so apologies for missing your name there. I can't find it, but thank you, everyone, who sent that story in. Sn- this, uh, by the way, this story is in IFL Science. Again, one Someday. day we really want to know what that stands for. So, yeah. if any any of listeners know, but like, <laughs> there's no way to find out. So, uh, sniffer dogs are, f- are renowned for their powers of detection, but new research indicates that ants can learn to identify cancerous cells much more efficiently than their four-legged rivals. And are this they is rivals? not two
2: legs. This is not the insect, by the way. This just means like your mom's sister. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh
3: yeah, Someone told me right once that those that sniffer dogs—I don't know whether this is true or not—but they said they reckoned that sniffer dogs are complete bullshit, and that it's just they just go by how people react to getting snuffled by the dogs and see mm. if they freak out or not. And that most of them can't actually smell drugs or anything. They just this is not this is not the ones you get at like train stations and like. There was a thing of them being outside nightclubs at one point over here, and someone mm. said to me, They can't sniff anything. It's literally just like a thing um, to see if you freak out because the dog sniffs you and then they'll take you, you away. You and might be you.
0: right here. Hang on. Here is a story from ABC Australia. Accuracy of police sniffer dogs called into question. A finding that four and five positive cases being wrong. There are calls for police sniffer dogs operations to be stopped. This is a story from seven years ago, by the way, as fresh figures show that the canines get it wrong in the majority of cases. So far this year, New South Wales police officers have carried out over 14,000 searches on people as a result of sniffer dogs indicating the presence of an illegal drug. Of these searches, illicit substances were not found on 11,248 occasions. That means four times out of five, the dogs are getting it wrong. Experts say sniffer dogs do not even act as a deterrent from the majority of drug users, while the Greens, Green Party that is, and civil libertarians say that innocent people are being richly humiliated by police searches. Daniel Ryan from Port Lincoln in South Australia told ABC News he was embarrassed at a work Christmas party when a dog wrongly detected drugs in his pocket and car. And Sean Bradbury from Earlwood said his friend, a family man who has never been in trouble with the law and never touched a drug in his life, was insulted when he was fully searched by police. That's yeah, a, this does bad sound hit rate. Wow, a lot, that. yeah, that is a bad, bad hit rate. And but also, that what, does a, what com- a
2: shitty work Christmas party. Yeah. they have a drug dog <laughs> yeah. showing up. What kind of company do you work for? <laughs> <laughs> just have a sniffer dog present. Uh, sorry, guys, no bonus this year. We've hired a drug dog. <laughs>
0: um, Merry Christmas. <laughs> You may pet him once he has proved you ro- innocent. Right.
2: I can't. I know you're all excited for that bonus. Buy your kids some gifts, but I've bought this dog.
0: <laughs> that will, they will <laughs> cause an illicit search on your, uh, on your person. Yes, yeah, so well, will. That does kind of go along with what you're saying, in that the, the dogs are seem to be used more for giving justification for a search rather than actual... Successful, statistically significant detection of drugs. Yeah, they're kind of like,
3: I suppose, like lie detectors. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't. That's another thing that supposedly doesn't work in it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's definitely. Right. There's been plenty of studies that have shown that lie detectors are pseudoscience. Well, that, it, like pretty much that. So
2: many of those situations put you under stress, right, and then right. a, and then if they detect stress. It's a sign of guilt, which is I I got a field sobriety test one time. And the first thing they make you do is you you have to put your head up like to the sky and close your eyes and in your head, not out loud. You can't move your body. You have to count exactly one minute. You have to count to 60 and then just say when you're done and they time you. But it's like, you know, and I know there are ways to do it. Like if you have the right song in your head and all that, I get it. But there are like four cops standing there with their hands on their guns staring at you, trying to count off sixty seconds silently. Right. It's it's almost an impossible task. And, and then and, and then it's, you know, uh it furthers the incentive, you know?
0: Yeah, all of that is just to give is to give them some kind of probable cause that then gives them the legal justification to do things like search your car or right. arrest you, which they can't which they're otherwise constitutionally banned from doing.
2: Yeah, it seems like if you just have a dog phobia or something... Right.
0: And you're at the airport, you know, you'd
2: they'd just be like, this guy has heroin up his ass or something.
0: You know? Yeah, and like the number of people, again, they're like, yeah, he was acting shiftily when I pulled him over. Oh, because you are two armed cops and he's a black guy who's tw- like a 20-year-old black guy? And he was... Well, Tell me more about this suspicious behavior that he was exhibiting when you... When he walked up to his car,
3: it happened to me at Cheltenham Train Station. I got sniffed by a sniffer dog, and I got taken out the, out in some room or another, and that like empty my pockets out and everything, take me shoes off and that. And it was I didn't have anything, anything on me, and it was long after I'd st- I hadn't been like near anyone who was like smoking drugs either. It was literally just because I've got terrible anxiety, and I just I just generally like react like that to. Right. anything anything coming near me just makes me jumpy. I mean, I, I'd, I'd, of course, I'd like a mohawk and tattoos and everything as well. So, like, it's not the same as, like, it's not the same as, like, sort of racial profile, but it's, that, it's the other kind of, like, profile and they do with, like, they sort of, when they've run out of, do you know what I mean? It's like they do that with uh, certain, like, groups of white people as well. You get yeah. like you get shake and dying boys. Well, i I, I
2: grew up in a i grew up in an almost one hundred percent white suburb. But I was like kind of a punk kid with purple hair and stuff. So it was the you know i was i was the guy that was always getting searched, you know, at the movie theater or something when I was fifteen. Um, just because they didn't they didn't have any other minority they had to they had to make up minorities, you know. Yeah.
3: As, yeah. Well, that's what it's, that's what it's called a like like where where I am it's like mostly it's like it was it's a very kind it's a very white place it's a small town in the countryside and that so yeah it's more kind of like it was you have like everyone who's like a sort of punk or goth or whatever has got like a story about getting mind you to be fair every time I've been usually I've been doing was like sort of drink underage drinking cider or or whatever in the park so I can't No,
0: I was on I was on bath salts the whole time Yeah, I was always on
3: bath salts yeah
0: um. So, but yeah, there we go. But I had no idea how inaccurate. But thanks for that, because I, I did, had no idea how inaccurate sniffer dogs were.
1: But I mean, maybe uh, maybe cancer is different from drugs. I don't know. Uh.
0: So, as this article discusses, but so it, yeah, the article starts off saying sniffer dogs are renowned for their power of detection, which we now know to be at least potentially bullshit. But um but new research indicates that ants can learn to identify cancerous cells much more efficiently than their four-legged rivals. Uh, published in the journal iScience. This new- is weird
2: because it's not a sniff thing. It just means that ants are really good at reading CT scans. They sit, <laughs>
3: they sit
2: down in the lab and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know. I like how they yeah. say
3: rivals as if they're rivals anyway, even before this. <laughs> Renowned rivals. They're, all, they're old
0: it. arch-nemesis ants. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> they're they're always meeting in prison and playing chess. That's like <laughs> like on the surface they're playing chess, but there's a lot of subtext behind the game. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's yes. what actually, Michael Vick was arrested for, an, uh, a, you know a basement uh, ant versus dog fighting. Game. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the new study reveals that the ants, uh, the insects, are able to differentiate between cancerous and healthy cells, as well as between different types of cancers, after just thirty minutes of training. Hmm. Which is significantly l- less time than a pathology degree.
2: Okay, but, but the, re- okay. the researchers sought to train a species of ant called Formica fuchsia uh, to detect cancerous cells. To achieve this, they placed breast cancer cells in a petri dish along with healthy cells, yet added a sugary treat next to the cancerous cells. <laughs> so, over successive trials, the ants got quicker and quicker at finding the treat indicating that they had learned to recognize the VOCs...
0: That's uh, volatile organic compounds. Sure,
2: yes. Produced by the cancerous cells, using these as a beacon to guide their way to the sugary delight. After conducting this trial just three times, the researchers decided to repeat the experiment without adding the treat and found that the insects continued to make a beeline (laughs) for the cancerous (laughs) cells, suggesting that they remembered the smell of these cells and the previous association with the sugary reward. Hmm. So you let some ants loose inside of someone's
1: guts and see where they walk.
2: Or if you just famously... I know a lot of people that have always wondered why their titties are covered with ants, you know? If you famously have ant-covered tits, maybe uh, it's time to get checked out, you
0: Mm -hmm. know? Or that could just be the sugary compounds that you've been leaving
2: on them. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of people leave sugary compounds on their tits just to um, feel alive. But the, the, uh, the study authors then put... The ants through the same training protocol, yet this time including two different types of breast cancer cells. One, um, As with the first experiment, one of these cells lines was accompanied by a sugar treat, the other was not. And again, they moved towards the cancer that was associated with the reward, indicating they were capable of distinguishing between the different cancer types. Um, summarizing their findings, the authors state that the ants were able to one, perceive the presence of cells in a medium. two differentiate cancerous VOCs from non-cancerous ones, and three, differentiate between two cancerous samples based on VOCs. We show that individual ants need only a few training trials to learn, memorize, and reliably detect the odor of human cancer cells, they added. Whether or not ants can reliably diagnose cancer in actual patients will need to be examined in large-scale clinical trials. However, based on their observations, the study authors conclude that using ants as living tools to detect biomarkers of human cancer is feasible, fast, and less laborious than using other animals.
1: Mm. But how do they make the tiny stethoscopes?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Because
1: no one's going to trust an ant without at least a lab coat and stethoscope.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, cute little, uh, cute little outfit. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always weird when there's some major breakthrough that feels medieval. You know? Right, leeches. Like yeah. yeah, you go down to the cancer clinic, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna put a, you know, take your shirt off. We're gonna um, cover your chest with ants." And you are like, "Okay, is this like? Am I? Do I have to pay you guys? Like, what? What kind of place is this? You know,
0: <laughs> we're gonna bury. We're gonna bury this uh, handkerchief that was wrapped around it in the in the ground at midnight. Are you are you are you familiar with? By the way, is it is it what is it? Biodynamic wine."
1: What? No, I am not.
0: Is that is that the type that there's a, like a level of like one up from organic wine that is astonishing levels of bullshit?
1: Uh, no,
0: and uh, involves like burying a cow's horn. There we go. <coughs> yeah, biodynamic wine. You employing the biodynamic methods to grow the fruit, and during the post-harvest processing, use organic farming methods such as. Uh, compost fertilizer and avoiding pesticides while employing soil supplements prepared according to Rudolf Steiner's formulas. Okay. The same guy who came up with Steiner schools I think Uh, following a planting calendar that depends upon astrological configurations and treating the earth as a living and receptive organism.
1: Uh, When you first click on Rudolf Steiner's Wikipedia article uh, the the first adjective or first uh, title given to him is occultist. (laughs) Austrian occultist philosopher. Social reformer, architect, esotericist, and claimed clairvoyant. So yeah, let's sa-
0: trust him for all things uh, health. Is he the same guy behind Steiner schools, or is that a different Steiner? I
1: I can't believe someone would let an occultist start a, a bunch of schools, but possibly. Let me see, esoteric schools. Let's see what those are. He start he, the independent esoteric school of the of the Theosophical Society, founded in 1904. The school continued after the break with Theosophy, but was disbanded at the start of World War One. Um,
0: what, yep, he, he is the same Steiner.
1: What are these schools? I, I thought maybe these were legitimate schools you were talking about.
0: Oh no, they are. What? No, they're like they're like fancy, pricey schools, like private schools that oh, are God. Steiner schools that are like a type of you know, like they believe strongly in child autonomy, and you know the the children help design the te- the lessons.
1: Is this Goethean science that he teaches? That's a section of his Wikipedia that um he was a champion of a bunch of pseudoscientific claims like doubting germ theory.
0: I did. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Steiner school that I want. I once did a fundraiser gig for. It turned out to be like it was a school fundraiser, um, but it was like a fancy. It was like definitely like a fancy London school that was expensive, and Andy Serkis was one of the parents, and he auctioned some Lord of the Rings memorabilia in Gollum's voice. Oh God! After I went on.
1: Okay, I'm seeing a Rudolf Steiner school in New York that is also a Waldorf school. I've heard of Waldorf. Is this is this also yeah. bullshit, or is this Montessori kind of stuff, or is it's, it all it's bullshit? It's kind
0: of—I I think it's all in that same kind of realm of, like, fancy private schools for lefty, lefty parents with money.
1: I'm guessing every child is diagnosed as being an indigo. Is that
2: part of it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, or well, you want to have a luxury kid, yeah. you know? You've, you've got a luxury house and a luxury car. You want to get yourself a luxury kid.
1: Okay. And a luxury wine made from uh, an occultist's ideas of how to grow wine, I guess. Mm.
0: I've forgotten we, we talked about indigo children a while back I've forgotten about that level Oh, of that's one of my
1: favorite things Complete bullshittery Just like letting horoscope, letting astrology type thinking Just pervade all aspects of Wait, life Wait,
2: I thought you were just making A random word association joke What the fuck no, is No, 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 indigo indigo indigo's If
1: your Look, kid has so ever done know how, special
0: like, Jesse, you know how most kids' auras Are not indigo colored? That's like Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah no, Famously It's most very children's... rare to find a child Whose aura is indigo Famously, But if yes, you do happen yes. to have such a child Then they they are quite special and have specific abilities.
2: Oh, interesting! Yes, I, I, I've okay. I've always. I think it's
0: like being a fire colors, starter.
2: Are fire starters indigo?
3: <laughs> Every time I hear Steiner school, I always think of the wrestlers, the two wrestlers with the with the college jackets. We used to do the Frankensteiner and all and all of that. Every time I see. With, Wait, was there
0: I'm, also Scott Steiner? Is that? Yeah, was he, that, was
3: one, that... he was he was no, he was one of them, but then he like totally reinvented himself he got like roided up to absolute fuckery and he was like barely recognizable but he used to be like the two of his brother he used to have like a thing on his head like a like a helmet like a, was it
0: like a helmet thing with some kind of like thing oh, like, on his head? like, like, like one like, of those um, like amateur wrestlers like yeah like Olympic wrestler helmets like the yeah, kind of ear was, protector type things uh.
3: yeah that was their gimmick they were like sort of wholesome like college wrestlers and that and then he sort of changed his gimmick to in the uh, um i think his his gimmick was basically like he was like the world's the world's biggest arsehole but it seemed to <laughs> it seemed to work it seemed to work for him and that but yeah you know, that's every time i, I can't think of your steiner school i always think of like a, in my head like a school where you'd um <laughs> be taught to yeah to be taught now, to do the frankensteiner w- well you uh you dabbled in wrestling for a while yeah Yeah, I went to a wrestling school in Trowbridge, and I've done, like, a a couple of battle royals and and that. Nothing kind of major. But, yeah, I've been in the wrestling ring.
2: That's very cool. Now, I... And this is something I legitimately wonder, right? Because, I mean, we're all in the comedy world, and I have noticed, more than any other field, the amount of crossover of, like, wrestling fandom amongst comedians. And I... I personally don't get it, just because I never, I just didn't grow up watching wrestling. That you know, I just that's all. Um, like I we've totally, got, I totally we've got kind like, of a different.
3: Sorry, it's, we got we got like a different tradition in Britain with wrestling. Of like my age, because we had the there was the kind of world of sport wrestling, what it used to be called on in the eight in the that ran from like the probably from like the fifties till the late eighties. The and it, the WWF and that kind of. Caught on here, Big Tom later, but it's mm. the it was the every every Saturday afternoon they used to be wrestling on ITV and like everyone like supposedly the Queen sat and watched it and everything Big Daddy what? and Giant Haystacks and Mick McManus and all of that and it was like a major part of like cool. popular culture so it's kind of ingrained here so I think that even like um, comedians that aren't of a certain age anyone who grew up in the eighties even if you weren't into or in wrestling now, I think it's kind of like almost like a part of British culture anyway. The whole yeah, thing we, of
0: it. We talked about that a bit when we had we had Colt Cabana, pro wrestler, as a, on the show a while back, and yeah, that that very different like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks of just sort of very limited athleticism.
3: <laughs> Big Daddy never used to read. I mean, we went to see, me and my mates went to see. Big Daddy was must be one of his last things. He came to Chippenham at the, the local leisure centre. And all he really did was he, he had a tag partner that did all of the actual wrestling. He just literally stood on the side of the ring going, Eeezit his catchphrase. He's, he's trying to explain to people in America what the how Big Daddy got over like he did. He was a big guy called Shirley Crabtree, who used to wear like a wear a singlet with Big Daddy written on it and a Union Jack cape and a glittery top hat. And he used to go, easy, easy, easy. And his finishing move was literally the like the belly button, the big splash. He'd literally drop his weight on people. This went on until he did it to a wrestler called King Kong Kirk, who died after getting <laughs> no. splatted by Big Daddy. I think, I think he was wrestling with like a, some kind of... Um, condition that you either didn't know he had. Or oh, he actually said, you know. died. It wasn't he he was part of the, sh- part his of the show. Yeah, it was. It head. was... No, it was headline news and everything. It was on. Oh like my the god! Six o'clock news. It was like Big Daddy's fucking been a- splatted some bloke to death and like King <laughs> Kong Kirk, his arch nemesis, is like dead and everything. It was like a te- it was a terrible. It-, it haunted Big Daddy for the rest of his days by all accounts. <laughs> but um, he was a genuine. Like he used to have a comic stripping in, like, British comics and that. He used to appear on kids' telly and and everything. He was, like, a total... He was one of these things that could... If I remember we met him after the show and uh, he signed autographs for us. And my mate goes, are you going to go in the WWF now that the British wrestling's not on the telly? And he more a big daddy. And he just goes, too hard for me, lad, too hard for me. Sort of seemed a lot physically... Shiver at the thought of like getting in with the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior or the Undertaker <laughs> or something like that with his kind of limited ability. He did. He put in a good show in against the mad the mad jocks who were like two kind of sort of like rowdy Roddy Piper actsies and yeah, he did a. it's he was a, so, yeah. It's like I think there's some well, I think there's some kind of like affinity with like comedians and wrestlers. I think it's because we are. It's possibly something to do with like. Road life, the fact that we're, yeah. that we're sort of like that, um, we have a sort of persona, I suppose. Even even comedians who are basically the same on stage and off stage, you're still doing like a, a version of yourself. So I think there's that. I think it's like comedians and a lot of comedians are in to be into like hip hop as well. That seems to be another thing that there's like an affinity. with I think it's because of the it being like a verbal thing, right? Where right. you're like. um thinking on you have to like, like think on your feet and improvise a lot of the time so I think there are kind of like jobs oh, that aren't like the yeah. comedian sort of like so I think wrestlers are one of these things that
0: Yeah that improvisation kinda... I think I, I think that's also that's definitely a crossover in that kind of same way of like a pro wrestling match even even one that's pretty well choreographed and mapped out there's still a fair amount of improvisation that has to go on within it and the and same goes with the stand-up set like even the most scripted stand-ups still have to be at least willing and able to be nimble in a certain like if something happens in the room or someone says something or, or or you get misled or somewhere or mislaid, you know you have to have that ability to get things back on script or completely leave the script behind. Well, a lot of times at my
2: shows, you know, a lot of people have weird, angry signs in the crowd too, <laughs>
0: right? And uh, like so break, it's, break it's, chairs over your back as well. Yeah, so that's a very
2: very
1: similar
3: sort of vibe. Um,
1: and I, I'm assuming, Will, I'm assuming you've seen Mickey Rourke's uh, The Wrestler, the movie?
3: I, I have, yeah. And it's, um, it's it's a great film. And it makes great. you kind of... But it it seems to be what I've heard of, um, what sort of the little that I sort of know of how... Well, I know quite a fair bit for like reading books and stuff, but I've only interacted with like... The people that went to wrestling, the wrestling school with, and that kind of thing, but how it is when your body kind of sort of turns. What I thought was a nice touch in it was the whole thing of Marissa, to Tomei being the exotic dancer, who's again like her, she feels like her body's letting her down, and I yeah. think that's what the affinity's meant to be with them, isn't it? They're both in a kind of sort of physical obsessed job and they're sort of thinking like oh god we're too old for this but
1: right you've you've gone too far you're too far committed to do something else augie smith always insists that that movie is about stand-up and if you watch it through that lens it you could totally see how it's it's it could easily be about a road dog you know
0: yeah you can definitely see that that same arc as well that happens with some comics and with some wrestlers where you know they'll go to be the main event and be huge and then 10 years later they're back to playing the clubs and then Ten years after that they're playing the small clubs, the regional clubs. Right.
1: Yeah. Well you know what's easier to wrestle with than um, than career decisions and your body failing you?
0: What's that, Andy?
1: Maintaining your hair. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I I was gonna say that there is there's definitely um, there's definitely been a trend in the last Few decades for pro wrestlers to be relatively hairless, be relatively smooth. And <laughs> I
2: wish there were tools available to help that process, but unfortunately, they just have to use their teeth. And oh it. my word!
0: Oh, Jesse, you are so out of touch on this one. Because what? what are you talking about? Not only are there tools, there are there are now extraordinarily fine, custom-designed tools uh, with I, with I would say I would say a level of technology that protects the skin from nicks, cuts, and scrapes, designed. Yeah, you can't, you can't use it in your water, though, so I'm out. I'm out. Oh, I can't. oh. What? Oh, Jesse. Jesse. What are you talking about? Jesse, even even water resistant. Even water resistant. So you could take this straight into the bathroom and and, uh, and, and use it to your, to your hearts and your skin's content. What, what is
2: this thing of which
0: you yeah, speak, Yeah, what,
2: what, what would a name for this wondrous product be, Matt? Oh, man, there's no way to know that bit.
1: Mm. <laughs> it's like IFL science. It's unknowable.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's f- unknowable. It's unknowable.
1: Well, guys, Manscaped, our our sponsor for Nyon, it's been about three months now I've been using their products. We've been talking about how great they are. They've launched their ultra-premium collection. um, And believe it or not, this one is not for your private parts. Uh, We're talking about leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man. Covers you from head to toe. Uh, Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now you can trust them with the rest. Join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and if you use the code probably you'll get twenty percent off plus free shipping.
0: And and again, we can twenty percent
2: off the price, not the hair amount or you get hundred <laughs> percent off the hair if you
1: get a lot of things. Uh, yeah, totally like, I have
0: used this all, all, like uh like I mentioned last time I got my haircuts and because I was wearing a mask, he kinda of like fucked the bit around the ear. Uh I I used I used that and just sorted it out myself. The the nose hair trimmer, again, just like no nicks, no no cuts. No, tugs. no, I'm actually a
2: huge fan of that Because nose hair trimmers are very like scary to me You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If something yeah. goes
0: off the rails, it's a bad time and uh, I, or it I, just gets tugged. Like I pulled out yeah. a nose hair before, and it's like it's sort of connected to the back of your skull. I don't know what yeah. it is. It's no, like, it's awful. It's awful. Just guaranteed tears. Like, yeah. just and like I, you don't even. Even if you're not in pain, you're just like I'm crying now. I don't know what happened here, I, but I'm now in crying. I love this nose hair trimmer. I'm a huge. I'm a huge fan. Uh, of it. And the the shower gel and shampoo that comes in the in there as well. It's great scent uh leaves you clean leaves your hair in good shape but also smells fantastic like all this stuff is great quality
1: yeah the uh, lawnmower 4.0 is great for pre- precise trim below the waist and elsewhere i also use it to just clean up my neckline between haircuts and my beard line um they've also got manscape premium deodorant which is not for downstairs that's just for regular old armpit usage it dries clear it's aluminum free and smells like their signature scent which is great as that body wash does which i use every day
0: so once again, anyone who wants to get their products, anyone of any gender who chooses to remove any hair from their body, uh, I cannot recommend this stuff enough. You can or, or go take, to,
2: to take care of the hair that you have.
0: Well, take care yes. of the hair that you have. You can go to manscaped.com and use the offer code PROBABLY. That will give you 20% off and free shipping. So once again, that is manscaped.com, offer code PROBABLY.
1: Check it out, nice. So, I didn't hey. want to. I didn't want to like stop the whole wrestling talk. By the way, Will, because I'm very interested in what happens at a wrestling school. Like, I, I don't know what the day to day. You know, if if there are like classes in specializations. Like, is today no, the day just... we do pile drivers? Like, what's the?
3: It was a little bit. Like, it was basically. It was a, on a Sunday. It was like we. It was on. A, I saw an ad for it. Well, it was an article in the paper that they were looking for people to go to this red to train to do wrestling. It was in Trowbridge, which is like a nearby town of Chippenham and I went down there and it used to be on top of a bakery in the old town of Trowbridge there was like a sort of disused room upstairs they had the ring set up in there and there was it was every like Sunday morning so there was some some there were guys that were um like kind of semi-professional that had day jobs but they were doing wrestling for money in like local promotion so there was um a guy called um G- called Gareth gareth the gangster humphreys who was like the champion of the promotion he was um his dad and his mum ran the promotion as well they, his dad was like a was an old school wrestler um and i think he'd been something like the i can't remember but i think he'd have like a kung fu gimmick or something like that but i could be misremembering so they were like that film that film fighting with my family with, that was quite uh, a fun film. Yeah, they were like it was like it was like that's what it was that's what it was like. That's a very accurate portrayal of what like British um like sort of British indie wrestling is from like, the inside. There was like there was older guys, there was a lot of young kids that were that were training that were very that were very good as well, and then they there'd be shows um at the like, this town hall or whatever, and i I'd, I'd I'd been in the Battle Royal as like a sort of spare Like random healing battle royal and setting the ring up and everything, um, because it takes like two or three of you to do all of that, and it's just really great people. But I just used to, I just used to hurt so much afterwards, I'd feel I'd be like, oh, they do it like 365 (laughs) days a year for Vince McMahon. I've no idea that kind of like this was just like doing like, but the the bubs hurt quite a fair bit, and especially when you're like you're learning and you don't always take them properly it's, it's quite painful and I was doing I was lecturing part time as well at this time, this is like about a year before I started pursuing stand up and I was lecturing media studies at um, Wiltshire College and was, like, I was like coming in it was like just a very weird thing going on on a Monday with like, sort of slightly concussed and everything <laughs> taking bumps wrong and then showing everyone Ken Loach films
0: at the... <laughs> college <laughs> uh there there is that sort of like yeah that very diy level as well at that what at that sort of low level of wrestling and low level of stand-up and low level of music where there's none of the glamour of just showing up and doing your show you're like you're there with a screwdriver and a wrench and like
3: yeah it's everyone's c- slot, everyone's doing summit and pitching in there was slot, carrying bits real- of steps yeah, totally. It's real lot like, mixed bag of a bag of a thing. There was this guy called he must be dead now. There's a guy called, there was a guy called Mad Eli who was like a wrestling promoter from Bath. It was a, he was like what well, he was a, a kind of bizarre character, but he was like the kind of the ultimate promoter of it and and that. And he was very he, he very much seemed to have been involved in like, any kind of like sort of anything from like wrestling to shooting people out of cannons for charity or whatever. He some kind of like you know, someone who's clearly has like never done like a normal day's work in their life. He's just always doing some kind of some kind of like mental shit. And he was what he was one of them sorta sort of, sort of uh, blokes. I remember, I remember we were supposed there was supposed to be a show with um Yoke with Yoke Zuna at one point with this. We were supposed to be or some of the older guys were gonna be doing a show with him, but he died in Liverpool, but he was as, as part of that tour around the UK, he was going to be doing some stuff with that, I mean the guy I remember Gareth saying that he'd done a he'd wrestled with Marty Gennetti against like the I think he did a show with like one of the Bushwhackers and the Barbarian dressed up as the other Bushwhacker because the other Bushwhacker had a neck injury or something to do it, but he did like a few things with, like done, he done East I believe he might still do it now I mean he's like his dad was a wrestler his mum was a wrestling promoter his wife was a wrestler and i don't see how he how he would have like fallen out of love with it i'd imagine he still does it i haven't seen him for ages i see him now and again doing doors of pubs and that kind of thing his main main jobs like security and stuff but um East, they're a family that I've got a lot of like respect and admiration for, the Humphreys family because they're just like I just love they're like, lovely people, and I just loved how they sort of dedicated themselves to doing this kind of like labor of love thing and like keeping that sort of grassroots thing. A lot passing it on and like tra- and doing the training and stuff. They just they just do doing a really good thing I thought.
1: Yeah, isn't um <clears throat> isn't the Rock part of a wrestling legacy also
3: Yes, yeah, it's a his, common thing to be a family yeah, business? His, his dad was rocky johnson and his granddad was peter mavia he's somebody who used to appear on lot like, the british wrestling back in the way back in the day i think peter mavia the hot the high chief or something like that he was called but yeah he's from a, and yeah he he would famously his, say can you smell the food peter's prepping <laughs> they, each,
2: they each add like their uh, own right
0: yeah but they did yeah i think his his like uncle and cousins then like there there's a whole family tree of people in the rock family
3: yeah there's there's, right. there's a lot of like a lot of the samoan wrestlers and polynesian wrestlers all seem to be distantly related to each other i think there was something where like a lot where the I think something like the King of Samoa sent like a load over to America <laughs> for some for some reason, like a sort of delegation of Samoan wrestlers, and that's where all like. The, but I think they're all all the like Zuna and the the Samoan SWAT team and all of that. I think that the the, the headhunters and all them. I think they're all kind of like the Rock. I think they're all like distant
0: cousins or something like that. Uh, b- by the way, I was looking... This is uh, back to what we were talking about before. I was looking for a different story. But I just found this in the New Scientists uh, as of a day ago. Microscopic worms on a chip could be trained to sniff out cancer. <laughs> so fuck you, Ants. <coughs> a <laughs>
1: <laughs> constant battle between... Uh, yeah.
0: What if they're just sniffing the chip, though? I mean, everyone
2: <laughs> loves the smell of a...
0: You know. so, so these are nematoids, uh, otherwise known as roundworms. They're attracted to a compound released by lung cancer cells. When put mm. into a small device, the nematodes wriggle towards cancer cells in preference to non-cancerous ones, early stage work shows. The approach has promise of being turned into a diagnostic test for lung cancer that could potentially use urine or saliva samples from people, says Nari Yang from uh, Myonji University in South Korea. Other researchers are trying to train dogs to detect cancer, but nematodes also have a good sense of smell, which is important for them to sniff out their food, which is usually bacteria or fungi. Previous research has shown that they are attracted to urine from people with various kinds of cancer.
1: Oh, okay. There's there's an... Uh, I was wondering how these actually would get used, because in all these experiments, of course, they're putting out cells they already know are cancerous, so it's like, right. well, y- you figured that part
0: out already. So, yeah. But uh, well, that's how you train them, though. Like, well, I know, you... but
1: still, like, is it is it a thing where you'd have to do... I'm assuming in all these cases, it wouldn't be just like they're near a person. uh, It's like you you would have to take out some cells that you were going to biopsy. And at that point, you could have just done the same test you were going to do. So unless it's like, but the urine thing, that makes sense as a non-invasive, quicker.
2: The thing I question is that not all cancer, even the same type of cancer, uh, but let's say lung cancer, would it's such a vague term it wouldn't smell the same right like every cancer is its own biome sort of so it's like i i get that okay we're gonna do a biopsy let's say like microscopes don't exist or whatever this is the only way to do it okay we're gonna do a biopsy and uh we've trained these roundworms to seek out this well i i would still think they wouldn't be able to detect it because they Whatever they learned on, it's that specific person's cancer Mm -hmm. that they would know to detect.
0: Well, there'll be that specific type of cancer. So, it says here, cancer cells are biologically different to non-cancerous cells in many ways. A compound called 2-ethyl-1-hexanol, which has a floral scent, seems to be what attracts the nematodes. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say in this article which types of cancer produce this specific uh, compound but yeah, I guess
2: if it was was more subtle than that yeah I didn't realize that that was the like whatever marker they're using you know that's fine I just thought with like the with the ant thing they're like you know they basically just trained it to know this smell equals a sugary treat you know what I mean so and Mm. I get that that's great but then how would they differentiate in a real environment if that if the if an actual patient's tumour smelled slightly different than the sample they were trained on, because I think it would. I guess that's my point. It's not but like that, a virus it's well, going to be identical.
3: Well, a can't tell you, can't it? like this is, this is the advantage that the dog has. It go the dog does all that shit like Lassie, where it'll go like rof-rof. <laughs> <the trouble laughs> Jimmy's falling down the well or whatever, and then they go like, what is it, boy? But like an ad. Is yeah, this... has, is is voiceless, so is so it's it's obviously they've got they've got rang that, but that was my first thought was like that's why dogs are going to ultimately win any kind of like arms you... race of sniffery because yeah that's got a the, fair point they have never the <laughs> advantage of going we've got a roof roof yap yap whatever they be like what, what's that boy what's that boy and that, and that actually can't this is why there's no. Rin tin tin or lassie thing with us while they were dogs, not insects, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The show wouldn't really get uh, get past the pilot. I would think if, <laughs> it's if it was just like set- some
0: nematodes that are just slightly setting off <laughs> sensors on a microchip to tell you that someone's stuck in a well. There's um, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. We we had a story ages ago about bees that could detect explosives as well, and it was it was an the, uh, the extra wagging of their tails that they do. Like they vibrate more in a specific way when these compounds that they've been trained on are present. Yeah, but Um, for
2: them to learn that is why we don't have any bees anymore. You know, (laughs) it took ages, they blew up millions of bees to figure this out.
0: Yeah, you always find like bees that are missing limbs and stuff, and you're like, oh, that one works in like bomb disposal. Yes.
1: I don't know if you saw the one from Jonathan Barth a couple weeks ago about, about the uh,
2: vulva-shaped spacecraft. I mean,
1: it's it's bullshit. It's like a cons- concept design.
2: There's a vulva-shaped spaceship? What's happening here?
0: It is a German feminist art group that has revealed a vulva-shaped spaceship art concept, which is encouraging the European Space Agency to help realize in order to better represent humanity in space and restore gender equality to the cosmos.
1: It's uh, not real. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it's an art project, but... no. Uh, it, <laughs>
2: Is is are is one of you like in the War of the Worlds? Sorry, What's yeah, What's I was happening
1: uh, out there. I I got my upstairs neighbor is. Um, uh, I'm back in LA right now, and uh, ah. this vacuum cleaner going. I didn't oh, know okay. if that was oh, going. Oh, is
0: that what well, that was? I thought you uh, were maybe just using our new sponsored product. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> I was intermittently
1: muting myself, but um, I they thought it they was
0: are going to the, now. the Manscaped products are quiet. They they are relatively quiet by like, hair removal products standards, but they're not they don't silent. Sound like a
1: vacuum on a, on a hardwood floor above your head. No, that's true.
2: I, I, uh, this is, yeah, this is, what a weird story. So it's,
1: it's, I mean, whatever it's, it's just concept art and, uh, I'll answer their question of why do penises, why do uh, rockets end up shaped like penises? Right. Uh, rotational, rotational symmetry. Like why would you ever have this spacecraft that is well, not ro- rotationally symmetrical? Well, sometimes yes, it's shaped yeah. like a vulva. Good for you. Sometimes uh, a make rocket no is s- just
2: a rocket. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's.
1: Yeah, it's uh, like the, the amount of I, extra rocketry you'd have to do if you have something that's not symmetrical, unless it's going to be like the space shuttle, which, you know, needs to have functional wings for landing like a plane does. Everything else is like, you're going to want it to be Why can't a rocket just be
0: a little bit warmer and more inviting than yeah. than they normally are? I do love yeah. that you use the
1: word yonic, which I thought was just confined to like a uh, hmm. Kama Sutra type. Um,
2: I, d- I just think it's like, it's, uh, yeah. I I mean, I get it. I get the argument. I get it. I totally get it. It's just that a, a rocket is uh, it probably the most utilitarian thing. Yeah. Like, the amount of fuel per kilogram, like, it has to be. It's so utilitarian in its shape that uh, I, I think that the rocket shape came before the yes. this kind of. Like, if, if they made rockets that had a ball sack on the bottom. That they had Which to, add to be fair, to that
0: that is the Jeff Bezos one. Sure, but I mean if it, it was like if Blue it was Origin like a, does look like
2: If it made it way more difficult to take off and it was way more dangerous, but they're like, We're gonna need that ball sack, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> then then I get it. Like, hey, that's fucked up, you know.
0: I mean um, the the Blue Origin rocket does look significantly more like a penis than the average rocket. That is true. Yeah. It's it, got a it,
1: larger glands, I believe, than other I rockets. I mean,
0: it, yeah, it does. It's exactly, it has a full bell, and, and it has veins unnecessarily. Yeah, the vein on the
2: side is the, weird, is the weirdest part, <laughs> you know what I mean? And but, like- but this Yannick, this Vulver, uh rocket ship, like if
1: you're, just imagine our re-entry, that's just like, uh, we've got a breach in the left labia, could somebody take care of that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, it's... I don't
0: know if you're allowed to uh, like if re-entry is the right word.
3: Okay. <laughs> Do
0: you remember that film
3: Flesh Gordon?
0: Remember <laughs> course, that yeah. one, Flesh Gordon, the, the the the
3: like porn parody of Flash Gordon. That oh. Was like oh this, no. That had, that had like uh, it's this sort of it just it just brought that to mind. The whole talk a lot like, spaceships <laughs> and like yeah. sort of intergalactic voyages and all of that. It's, it's sort of, funny because it
2: Flash Gordon still used Queen for the soundtrack, which I think is amazing that they still they signed up for both <laughs> Flesh, of them. Uh, <laughs> Flesh, oh, savior of the universe! I think I, it was
0: actually Queef, but uh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, I listen to the Flash Gordon. I listen to Queen's Flash Gordon theme song like once a week. <laughs> like I will wake up and pop that on with the coffee. It's
1: the it. most watching that movie. It's like they wrote the soundtrack, and by that I mean they wrote one song, and then the whole movie that dun 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 just plays, and then occasionally he screams Flash, but the rest of the time it's just
2: dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Watch. It's it's great. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, huge Flash Gordon fan. I've not, I haven't seen Flesh Gordon, um, but I you know yeah I need to check it out.
0: It's what also it's what, has Brian Blessed.
3: It's basically what your mate would go like when you're at school. Like, oh, I've got I've rented a porno out, and he'd be like, "Oh, everyone's going to come round my house and we're going to watch a porno." When you're about like thirteen or whatever, that's what classes as a porno it would be. That or like confessions of a of a pipe fitter or whatever them sort of films, <laughs> like a like a, a sex. Comedy.
0: Yeah, it's like it's soft soft so they have enough anything? jokes in it for it to not be just straight porn, so you can justify it. Yeah, there would be like.
3: Tits and and then there'll be like Arthur Lowe or someone like that or John Le someone someone out of Dad's Army <laughs> and tits and you th- and like this like the it's always like the last appearance of so like I... famous British <laughs> comics that like the last thing the the last thing they were in was like up the carry on up the. <laughs> Shit, it, that. For us, that,
1: I, I, w- that was yeah. William Cat. for us, I think. After <laughs> Greatest American Hero, William Cat was in a lot of softcore 80s. Well,
0: I, I'm looking up now. Flesh Gordon had... Um, it, it was a box office success. On a budget of 470000 it had a box office of $5.3 in bad. US and Canadian rentals.
3: Was it people going in by mistake? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which is also much of the plot but, uh, <laughs> Hey, but, uh, um, it, the, cl- the cast does include um, There's there's only three people on here Whose names are blue on Wikipedia uh, William Dennis Hunt Who played Emperor Wang the Perverted John Hoyt who played Professor Gordon Who had quite a lot of um, uh, credits Including he, he's in like Like uh, Cleopatra Julius Caesar um, a spa- he was in Spartacus <laughs> and, like, and he was a, also a Broadway actor and then he's in this so I think that's the exact example of what like, equivalent to what you were saying there wait,
1: wait look further on the cast There's that's one... why I was setting this oh, up because no.
0: as an uncredited voice as the character the great god porno is Craig T. Nelson Coach <laughs> Craig that's... T. Nelson off of Coach and also you know Poltergeist, Turner and Hooch, My Name Is Earl, and Mr. Incredible in The Incredibles. His He had a far more significant voice acting role before The Incredibles, before Pixar snapped him up. It's
1: his third, uh, in a long filmography, it's his third appearance in anything, after the return of Count Yorga and Scream Blackula Scream. It's <laughs> Flesh Gordon, Craig T. Nelson. That's great. Well,
0: on, on on that highbrow note, yes. we should probably wrap up the main episode. But Will, where can our listeners find you and everything you're doing? So
3: I am on uh Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Twitter, I am Mix Will Hodgson on Twitter, and I'm Mix Will Hodgson Comedy on Instagram and I'm also um at Bawdy B A W D Y Comics on Instagram is where you can find my hand-drawn um, pornography. That's my <laughs> other thing I do as well as stand-up. I do like a sort of 77 punk-style cut-and-paste zine where I basically... I don't like what porn's turned into, so I just draw me own with pencil crayons and Whoa. sell it, on,
0: and, and sell it It's Etsy. awesome. I, I've seen some of the it's stuff that you've great. been posting online. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, so Fine will on that. Uh you can find us. Probably science.com is the website, Twitter at ProbablyScience, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. Probably science at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. Probably science.com is where we post all the links to the stories we cover, and also links to our Patreon and PayPal. Uh thingies there thank you very much everyone who helps support us by sending us money and uh, thank you Patreon patrons you will get an extra bonus story uh, after this uh, but in the meantime Will thank you so much for joining no, thanks us for, thanks for having me on guys really really enjoyed it thank you mate it's been great thank you and listen to this, see you next time